Welcome to HOWC Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. To learn more about our ministry, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Quick little recap. We did the curse and we read about how Eve took the fruit, she fell. Um, Adam took it from her. He fell. It brought sin and death into the world. It brought a curse. When God questioned them, Adam did not cover his wife, which was his purpose and job. He totally threw her under the bus and blamed things on her and on God. And then she blamed things on the devil and everybody just blamed it on each other. And even though there was some truth to those accusations, um, ultimately nobody really took responsibility and confessed their own sins and faults and sought the Lord to bring deliverance, so it didn't happen. Curses came, and we have to be very careful of that, that when we mess up, we just run to God and just ask Him to fix it, confess our faults and mistakes, and and say, God, this is what I did. It's not anybody else's fault because I could have come to you. I could have trusted your wisdom, and I didn't. Please fix my messes. Um, And that's really the right way to get out of things. When Jesus came as the second Adam, He covered His bride, even though the bride was absolutely at fault. He didn't blame the bride. In fact, he died for the bride. The church is considered the bride of Christ. So where the first Adam failed to cover his bride, the second Adam, which is Christ, absolutely covered his bride. And that's why we have redemption and salvation from the judgment that is coming. In the end, the wrath of God will pour out on all of the wicked, except for those who are in marriage covenant to Jesus, because he, as our husband, covers us and has already taken that penalty and that punishment, that judgment. So for those who were found married to Christ in marriage covenant, communion, fellowship, faith, abiding, obeying what he says daily, then there is a protection from the judgments that are coming. But if you're married to the world or anything else, well, that's not a faithful husband and it won't cover you and you will face the judgment. So today we pick up in chapter 4 with the story of Cain and Abel as we continue to go through our series in the beginning. Chapter 4, starting in verse 1, it says, And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived, and bare Cain, and said, so this is after the fall, right? They've been removed from the garden. There's no longer immortality. They have taken of the bad fruit, um, and now they're cursed to work from the ground to have labor, uh, and she's going to have pain in childbirth. Then she conceives and has a son. She bears Cain, that's Adam and Eve's first son, and said, she said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So we don't know how much time frame has gone. This just kind of a generalized because uh, they lived very long lifespans, so we really don't know how long that things went okay with them. We know that she bore Cain and that she bore Abel, two sons. They're grown, um, and he is Abel is tending the sheep, which kind of ties back to the first commission. We were commanded to take dominion over the earth, over the animals, and so forth. So he's still working out of God's original commission. Um, Cain is a tiller of the ground, which was actually something that came about as part of the curse because so you, you would have labor in tilling the ground and it would be difficult and all. So he was working the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit 
of the ground and offering unto the Lord. So Cain brings something that he grew and presents it to the Lord as an offering. And Abel, he also brought the first sling of the flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth or mad? And why is thy countenance fallen? Pouting. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So God commends Abel for his offering and sacrifice, and he's not pleased with Cain's. Cain gets mad and pouts and gets upset. And God's like, what's wrong? If you do what is right, if you do well, you'll be commended too. In other words, don't pout, just do what's right. Um, but instead he starts pouting and, and listening to the enemy and sulking and getting envious of his brother. There's a lot of reasons that God did not uh, respect Cain's sacrifice as much as he did Abel's. God is just. He does everything for a reason. He, he doesn't pick favorites. There's no favoritism with God, but there is favor with God. Favoritism is unjust, just picking somebody and liking them. Favor is actually gained from obedience and faith and reverence and humility. I know Pastor Daniel had did a message not too long ago on Cain and Abel where he pointed out the, the point that it says that Abel brought the firstling of the flock and the fat thereof, which means he brought him the best of the best. He gave him the best that he had, and Cain just gave an offering. He just gave him something. The Bible tells us, and I'm going to pull it up in a second to show you, that Cain's sacrifice was unrighteous. And Abel's was righteous. Righteous just means doing what God says is right. Therefore, we understand that Abel was doing what God said was right. And Cain was just doing what he thought was right or what felt good to him. So there's a difference in seeking the Lord and doing what the Lord wants us to do, even when it's hard, and just doing what we want to do. It's not easy. Because understand this, at this time period, nobody ate meat. Or at least they weren't supposed to. God never gave a commandment to eat meat until after Noah's flood. Before that, they were still just eating uh, herbs and, and plants. So for Cain to have sheep meant that this thing was really more of a pet. So for him to sacrifice something that he loved was a real sacrifice. That's the nature of a sacrifice. It's grievous to give up something that you love. Cain was just showing off his vegetables. Look what I grew. So while Abel's sacrifice was grievous, it was a grieving thing, Cain's was more of a praise thing. It was like, look at me, look at what I did, look at what I grew, isn't this nice, look what I did for you. It almost turns the praise back towards him. Abel's sacrifice would have been something that he didn't want to have to do, but he knew what God wanted him to do. And God had a reason for it. God was going to have to sacrifice his own son, the real Lamb of God, one day. And that was going to be very hurtful and grievous. 
And the point of that animal sacrifice was to help them and to help us understand that sin costs something. Sin is grievous. Sin causes pain to other things. It's going to hurt because of what we chose to do that was not right. For God, it's going to hurt him that he's going to have to give up his son and sacrifice that lamb to cover our sins. And Abel's sacrifice more perfectly portrayed that message than Cain's which was really just, look what I grew, look what I did. A life lived in obedience to God is a much better sacrifice than getting up on a stage and getting some praise from people. You know, you get up and you dance and you preach and you talk and everybody looks at you and, oh, look, I did a good thing. Well, a lot of times that's a Cain sacrifice. Not all the times because it is very sacrificial if you're truly living the life and trying to preach and do those things and seek the Lord. It can be uh, sacrificial too, but... Where is it coming from? What was the motive of the heart? Abel did what God said was right. Even though it wasn't the easy thing to do, it took sacrifice. It taught the message that sin costs something, that God would have to give up what he loved for our sin, and we needed to understand that in some small way. Sin needed to be grieved like Abel's sacrifice, not praised like Cain's. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, the scripture tells us very plainly why Cain comes after his brother. And in this, the children of God are manifested, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain who was of the wicked one, and slew his brother. For wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death, and whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. So if we hate someone, if we allow ourselves to hate someone, to attack someone, to come against someone, uh, to have unforgiveness, then we do not have the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit won't allow us to do that. It'll convict us. It will stop us from doing that. Um, if there is a continual accusation in your spirit towards somebody always hunting and harassing or always speaking against, you can be rest assured that there's another spirit. In fact, the name Satan, actually, literally, it's not a name. The literal translation means, it means, yeah, accuser. It's an accuser or an adversary. So he is the accuser of the brethren. So when there's a constant, continual uh, voice in your head accusing people or accusing someone of something, they did this, they did that, they, and that, that's building an envy or building a hatred, that's building an offense, you can rest assured that is Satan. He is the accuser of the brethren. When the Holy Spirit points something out to us about someone, it's never with accusation to accuse or to tear down or to remove. It's always with the purpose to pray, to intercede, to redeem, to teach, to help to get them on the right track. If they hate you for it and you've done it in meekness and in love, like the scripture says, then that's on them. God will validate the word. But if it's done from a heart of hatred that just wants to prove them wrong or wants to run them off, and I've seen it done through the years in church over and over and over again, I guarantee you, 
Satan is in it. In fact, it's usually connected to a Jezebel spirit because it hunts the ones with callings and the ones that you're hating or envious of are usually the ones that God has chosen and has called for a purpose and the devil's trying to stop it just like Cain did to Abel. He got envious because God approved of his sacrifice. And when there are people that are willing to do the work, to go through the sacrifice, to labor for the Lord, to give up the things that need to be given up in order for God to anoint them and to entrust them with certain things, to commend them, then those who were not willing to do it, like Cain, will get envious and will start attacking. I've experienced it over and over again, and I've seen it throughout my life continuously. Um, And it's a very dangerous thing to entertain. In fact, the Bible says it would be better for you to put a millstone around your neck and throw yourself into the sea than to be found guilty of hurting even the youngest Christian. Verse 8, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. I almost see the imagery. They're in the field. You're in the harvest fields. They're talking. They're together. And then all of a sudden, he's attacking his brother and killing him. And of course, the imagery is within the church, within the brethren. Somebody who should have been helping each other, they're now hurting each other out of envy and spite. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth. And you see right here again, just like in the garden, of course we know God already knows what's happened, but he always asks them first what's going on. It's like he's giving them space for confession. He's giving them opportunity to run to him to fix it. But then they try to cover it up or blame someone else. Or in Cain's case, he's just very just nonchalant about the whole thing. Just nothing. He's not, I don't know. It's not my job. And he's like, well, yeah, actually, what did you do? Because I know what you did. And so now he's cursed because of it. Now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. So he's going to still have to till the ground, but it's not going to be as productive. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any man finding him should kill him. And so even in the midst of this, God still has mercy on him and is trying to teach and trying to redeem. Verse 16 And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. But notice that he couldn't stay in the presence of the Lord in this state. 
The Bible says that you cannot hold unforgiveness and be saved at the same time. You can't have hatred and have God in your heart at the same time because God is love. They will not dwell in the same place. You can't have envy. It's going to be one or the other. You choose who you're going to serve and who you're going to obey, what spirit you're going to let in. But you cannot be in God's presence. God might still love us. He might still try to help us. He might still try to protect us in a means of waiting for us to come to a place of repentance and truly forgiving and, and being restored because God always wants redemption. But we cannot remain in his presence with that in our heart. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived, and bare Enoch, and he built a city. And he called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. Now this is not the Enoch that is Noah's grandfather. In fact, in Cain's bloodline, you're going to hear a lot of names that are the same as set. There's a counterfeit, right? And today is the end of my counterfeit fast. But um, there's a counterfeit bloodline with counterfeit names that were very bad people that started very bad places, that, that root of a wickedness that Cain allowed in continued through his generations and established some very wicked people. But they had the same names as some of these great biblical characters which were born through Seth, which was another son that Adam and Eve had after Abel. God gave her another son because Abel was no longer with them. Um, and these same names come up in that bloodline, and they are good people, righteous men. But before the real comes, first comes a counterfeit. So always watch for it. So this is not the good Enoch that we read of in Scripture later. And he builded a city and called it by the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. And unto Enoch was born Irad, and Irad begat Mahijel and... Mahijael begat Methusael, and Methusael begat Lamech. I'm telling you, these names are exactly very close to the same. So close. That's why you got to be so careful because the counterfeit is always so close. But something's just not right. There's a little something else in it. And Lamech took unto him two wives. The name of the one, this is the first time we actually read in scripture of having more than one wife. In the beginning, it was not so. That's not how God created it. And throughout scripture, when they started taking multiple wives, you started having multiple problems. Yep. That's not how it was supposed to be. That, that's a good reminder for the theology, rightly dividing, is to say that just because the Bible records it, doesn't mean it's, it's not right. making an endorsement from the church. Right. It's a history book. There are things recorded that God was not in agreement with. Historical accounts are not do not necessarily translate to theological. Right. All right, and it gives the name of these two wives. And Ahad bare Jabil. He was the father of such as dwell in tents and of such as have cattle. And his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all such as handle the harp and the organ. And Zillah, she was also bare Tubal Cain, very bad dude, and instructor of every orificer in brass and iron. And the sister of Tubal Cain was Naamah. And Lamech said unto his wife Ahad and Zillah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding. So this was a descendant of Cain 
who then again that spirit of murder becomes comes up in him and he slays somebody and a young man to my hurt he killed two men so the sin multiplies and gets worse through the generations if Cain shall be avenged sevenfold truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold yeah and Adam knew his wife again all right so this was most likely possibly even many years later and she bare a son and called his name Seth for God she said hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel whom Cain slew and to Seth to him also there was born a son and he called his name Enos then began man to call upon the name of the Lord. I'd like to point out how crazy that would be in the number of generations from Adam to the latest descendant of Cain. Mm -hmm. And then where their great, 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 great grandparents have a son. Right. Well, and, and there is a chapter in here that we're going to get to that is just genealogy. And I'm probably going to bring a table because there's not a whole lot you can talk about in genealogy, but I'm going to... Oh, is it the next one? Because I'll probably bring a chart because it's kind of interesting to see because of their lifespans, how they're overlapping and to see that by the time of Noah, like some of the second generations were still alive. I think Adam lived like 30 years before the flood happened. Yeah. He lived like 930 something years old. Right. So it's kind of interesting to see it laid out once you see the story of these people still being alive through this. And you realize... Like, it's, it's a much smaller story than you really think that it is. And the genealogies are there for a reason, even though we hate They're them. there for a reason, and we're going to look at that when we do the genealogies. But this is a very short story, but this is the first murder um, in human history. This is the first human death that we see actually recorded. So we see that sin does bring death. Sin is selfish. And sin will hurt people. It hurt the animals because they were being sacrificed and, and those things to cover the sin. But it begins to hurt other people because sin serves self. That's why the, the only commandment in the Satanic Bible is do as thou wilt. In other words, whatever's good for you, it doesn't matter who else it hurts. And that's why God always teaches us to live selfless and sacrificially because that will be good for everyone else. And if everyone does it, then it's good for everyone and you have a much better life and a much better world. It's not the easiest way to live, but it is the best way for everyone to live. And it will cause the least amount of pain and of suffering. When it comes to Cain and Abel, um, we see this in literal murder, in literal the, the literal physical world. People get envious, people begin to get jealous, people begin to hate, people begin to steal, people begin to murder. But there's also a spiritual parallel that we have to be very careful of, uh, that we don't get envious of people who have truly offered something to the Lord that God said was right. And we can't always assume to know what God is requiring of people or asking of people, because what we might think is right might not be what God is asking them to do. God might be asking somebody to do the simplest, oddest thing because he knows how to teach them. And he's trying to deliver a message to them to get them to a place. And we might not fully understand that. But in their obedience, if we come against that, we come against God. And we stop his work. And that's a dangerous thing. And if we see God commending someone, it doesn't have to make sense to us. That's not our place to even fully comprehend God. 
We need to love our brothers and help them to the best of our ability. And if someone truly is off track, then that's our opportunity to walk in our calling and commission. That's why we're here to help to restore them. Our purpose is for reconciliation, for restoration, for redemption, not for, for making people want to quit and give up. And yes, we have to speak the truth, but it always needs to come from a place of love and of brokenness and of a desire to see them bettered and to see them fixed, not to run them off, get rid of them, tear them down. And we all know whenever you say something, you know in your heart if it was really just a punch without fist, you know, or, or if it was really truly meant to try to help them. Sometimes the person may not know the difference, but you know the difference. And so we always need to check our heart and make sure that we're not um, trying to brother. In actuality, we don't know the time frame between the birth of Cain and Abel and the murder. There could have been daughters and hundreds of years because there were obviously populations in the earth because he said, if I, get, if I leave here, I'm going to be killed by people. This might seem weird how so many people can come from two people unless you, like us, have raised rabbits. When the lifespan is long enough, the reproduction goes crazy. We started with two rabbits, and I mean, we've had many kill-offs like where we butchered out, but I mean, it takes literally no time before you have 40, 50 rabbits, and the generations are spreading out. So when, at this time, you had very long lifespans, so when you had people living 700, 800 years, um, and you can start having children at 40, you know, that's a long time to be producing children, and each one of those children producing children, and that's how it is with rabbits. That's why you get overrun with rabbits. Each rabbit can produce a 1,000 offspring in her lifetime. So it doesn't take long before it's all spread out, and that's what happened. So even if it was, say, two, 300 years between the birth of Cain and Abel and many sisters um, and... His, and the murder, then you could say, well, this is why it said that if I leave, then I'll be killed. There were, there were other people populating because you had all of those people populating. Thank you for joining us today. This program was brought to you by HOWC Media Ministries. For more messages like this or information about our ministry, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.